What is Web 3.0? I don't know, Faris. I'm going to have to look up Wikipedia, which probably gives us the best <laughs> definition, and then I'll get you to translate it so I stop and, talking. And in case you're wondering if we do research before the show, there's your answer. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Ferris and Gordon here again. So this is the um, final part of this series where we're talking about Web 3.0. The previous episode episodes, we talked about Web 1.0 and Web 2.0, where Gordon explained the difference between the Internet and the World Wide Web and how the Internet has evolved from something that was basically an internal communication process uh, for the Department of Defense to where it is today, where we have basically everyone connected online ubiquitously. Uh, so, Gordon, we have been getting uh, news um, hashtags about Web 3.0. That seems to be the new buzzword. What is Web 3.0? I don't know, Faris. So I'm going to have to look up Wikipedia, which probably gives us the best <laughs> definition, and then I'll get you to translate it so I stop and, talking. And in case you're wondering <laughs> if we do research before the show, there's your answer. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. <laughs> um, okay, so from Wikipedia, Web3, also known as Web3.0 and sometimes stylized Web3, is an idea for a new iteration of the World Wide Web based on blockchain technology, which incorporates concepts such as decentralization and token-based economies. Some technologists and journalists have contrasted it with Web2.0, wherein they say data and content are centralized in a small group of companies sometimes referred to as big tech. What do you think about that? All right. So that make too much sense to me if it's based on the blockchain system. So to me, the blockchain system is a proof of work system. And here's where we can go into the debate of proof of work or proof of stake. And we've had this conversation so many times, Gordon, where, you know, you know we've been in this for what seven, eight years now. And yeah, I remember we were having this conversation when we were in Thailand, where we uh, you were telling me, you know, a, a ride-sharing company does not need a blockchain. Like, why would you want details of where you went recorded, you know, indefinitely on a blockchain? You just don't need that. Whereas something that actually has a financial stake behind it, like a financial transaction that's large, like Bitcoin, you know, where you buy a house or you buy a car, then yes, you do want that recorded. So when they say we're basing it on blockchain, what does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean? Uh, like, yeah, so we might, we might be moving around a little bit on this topic, guys. So another thing that's been coming out is um, the World well, Economic but, but Forum. Before you get to the example for us, okay. well, let's explain. Let's at least give a definition of what Web3 is. Okay. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. So it's a bit of buzzword bingo, and we've actually covered uh, decentralization, um, blockchain-based technologies before, and I will link a fantastic episode that you and I did, Ferris, called uh, Bananas on the Blockchain. So have a listen to that. And you're going to learn, it's, it's buzzword bingo. You're going to learn a lot of, you're going to hear a lot of stuff like uh, decentralization, trustless, permissionless, AI, machine learning. 
um, all this, all these kind of buzzwords, digital ledger technology. Um, and yeah, I mean, Web3 sounds amazing for us. It sounds like um, it is the be all and end all of what we want. It sounds like it cures cancer and all kinds of diseases, but the unfortunate reality is that it doesn't. Um, and it's really a marketing term. And I, and I think the word Web3 actually came from um, an Ethereum developer or the head honcho there, not Vitalik, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, basically to explain, yeah, to explain um, essentially going from Web 2.0, which is centralized control and content to Web 3.0, which is decentralized mm. content and control. And so the theory sounds really good. The theory getting away from big tech, the theory owning your own data, the theory owning your own content and generating content, um, not being censored by these big tech companies, all that stuff sounds great in theory. But the reality is, well, how would that actually work using blockchain technology? And I guess the question is, and I'll pose to you as my as um, as my throat gives up, um, why do we need to have things decentralized? Like, is it like why, why do we need to have a decentralized Twitter and Facebook and Google and everything? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, correction, I said Gavin Hood. I think Gavin Hood's a director. I meant Gavin Wood, one of the co-founders of Ethereum, which we'll talk about. But why do you need decentralization? This is something that took me a while to get my head around, and I really, really appreciate it now that I understand it. So if you were to join Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google, um, everything that you do, and I mean everything from uh, the time of day to the location where you post a tweet, all that metadata is collected by that agency. So that agency, and you know, I think now on your iPhone, the metadata is turned off when you take a picture. It used to be that if you took a picture and you put it online, someone could find out exactly where you were, the location of your, your house, the location wherever you were. Um, that, and that data, which is out there, once it's in, once it's on the internet, or well, sorry, once it's on the World Wide Web, you can't get it back. There's no way of retrieving all that stuff. So, and that's in the hands of one company. So, well, imagine if Twitter got hacked. Um, and if you had an anonymous account, uh, say you were, you know, um, a freedom fighter in some country and all of a sudden you're, you know, Twitter's hacked and the government finds out exactly who you are and where you are. Uh, same with Facebook, you know, people post pictures of their kids on there. Well, what if their address is all of a sudden exposed? Um, your birthday, you know, you have everything on there. And if one company gets hacked, all that information has gone. And hacking and data leaks happen a lot more often than people think. Um, you recently sent me stat scores where it happens to six people every second of the day. Someone's data gets leaked or hacked. And that's terrifying. Decentralized basically means it can't get hacked um, in that that data is not in one location. If it's in multiple locations, um, it can be distributed, but decentralized means it's shared across a network of people. Um, so the Bitcoin blockchain is unhackable um, simply because of the amount of people, the amount of money it would take to reverse that um, uh, brute force attack would just take so much. Uh, so yeah, once I started understanding decentralization to me, it was like, yeah, this is the way we need to move. Web 3.0 is not necessarily decentralization because from what I can understand, it is launched on the Ethereum blockchain. And the Ethereum blockchain is 
replacing big tech with Ethereum. Is that that's kind of what I'm getting here? Is that they're they're saying, yeah, it's not big tech anymore, but hang on, you're just you're saying it's not big tech. And it's based on the Ethereum blockchain, but the Ethereum blockchain is a proof of stake blockchain, whereas the Bitcoin blockchain is a proof of work blockchain. There's a big difference there. So that if that's if I'm understanding this correctly, then Web 3.0 running on an Ethereum blockchain is not decentralized. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're speculating here because Web 3.0 doesn't really exist. Um and there, there, there's a lot of buzzword bingo here. Uh, you mentioned decentralization, Ferris. Bitcoin is decentralized. So it is, I would say, the only decentralized blockchain out there. Uh, there is so much proof of work that goes into the Bitcoin blockchain. As Ferris mentioned, it's unhackable at this stage. That That's the reality. I wouldn't say maybe all other blockchains are centralized, but um, if you, and, and I don't think Ethereum is proof of stake yet, unless, I mean, I don't really follow it, but I, I think it is proof of work. It's it's moving to this hybrid model of proof of work, proof of stake, and then eventually proof of stake. But, um, you know, I, I can create a blockchain today called Gordon's blockchain, and I may have a few people use it, but just because it's a blockchain, it's still completely centralized in, in one person or one company. So, I mean, Google could create their own blockchain and I'm surprised they haven't already. Uh, it will be completely centralized because Google owns the code and owns the servers and whatnot. So there's a lot of nuance here and I don't want to go into it, but yeah, just because something, this, this magic word blockchain or like venture capitalists like to say DHT, uh, sorry, D, DLT, BLT, bacon, lettuce, tomato, uh, distributed, Ledger technology, DLT, and it's all buzzwords. It's like it's it's like the pet doc, pets.com um, use case. If if those have studied economics, you know, around about the 2000s when we had the dot-com crash, everyone needed a website, you know, including pets.com. And so it's it's really buzzword. And and I would like to quote uh, Jack Dorsey, uh, co-founder and former CEO of Twitter, and um, now it's Elon. He dismissed Web3 as, and I quote, venture capitalist plaything. Web3 will not democratize the internet, but it will shift power from players like Facebook to venture capitalist funds like Andreessen Horowitz. So that's his take on Web3. Okay. So it is early days to know what it is or what it will be. At this stage, it's just a buzzword. And having been in this space for quite some time. I mean, we went through the ICO phase um, and then we went through the, oh, it's not Bitcoin, it's blockchain phase. Now we've been going through the NFT phase. If, is our NFTs in any way related to Web3, Gordon? They are. And this is what I was going to get to in a moment. Um, essentially, uh, and there's a lot of different facets, but essentially a lot of Web3 and a lot of what this stuff is about is really the tokenization of everything. So tokens and and so you have these blockchains like Bitcoin, like Ethereum and, and like others, but you have a lot of these tokens which sit sort of above that. So a lot of these Ethereum tokens have these use cases. Like for example, decentralized Dropbox is that, that's probably a good example. Uh, Filecoin is um, apparently a decentralized Dropbox and Essentially, if you want to use Filecoin, you've got to buy some Filecoin and then, you know, you can rent, uh, 
you know, hardware space on other people's computers around the world. And all, all this sounds good in theory, but all it really does is sort of pumps the price of Filecoin and then people start speculating on the price of Filecoin. And could you imagine, you know, you've got all your files in this decentralized Dropbox, but now the price of Filecoin is a hundred times what it was and you want to use it, but it's too expensive to use it. And it's like, okay. And then people say, oh, this Filecoin is too expensive. And they go to the new next technology and the next technology is really cheap. You know, Filecoin is $50, whereas this new Filecoin 2 is like two cents. So everyone moves. And it's just this game of cat and mouse and this sort of, you know, circle jerk of uh, hopping from one coin to another. Um, we don't need a blockchain for 99.99% of things because it really, the, one of the beauties of the blockchain is it's a permissionless, trustless system. You don't need to trust anyone. So if you've got a company, and, and first you mentioned the ride sharing stuff, if you've got a company like Uber, for example, having Uber on the blockchain is just insanity because you're already trusting Uber with your payment information, with your ID and registering or whatever. So not only is it an invasion of privacy to see your transaction of your you know, trip from your house to the airport on the blockchain, on the Uber blockchain, even if it's internal, there's no need for it because you already trust Uber. And yeah. so the whole point of a blockchain is to not trust the person that you're sending or receiving to. So if I want to send money to a complete stranger, um, I can do that on, on the Bitcoin blockchain, for example, because I trust that the system works and you know, I, I trust in, in mathematics and cryptography and proof of work. Uh, I don't need to trust that other, other person's going to scam me. So without that, without the need of trustless permission, pretty much everything doesn't need a blockchain. And before I um, sign off, Faris, a great example of a decentralized system that does not need a blockchain, for example, I mentioned Filecoin and a decentralized Dropbox is something called IPFS, and that stands for, I'm not, I'm not joking, by the way, Interplanetary File System. And I know, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's awesome. Uh, we've obviously got some Star Trek geeks here. Um, I, IPFS, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm reading for the wiki page, so this is not an April Fool's joke. IPFS is a protocol and peer-to-peer network for storing and sharing data in a decentralized and distributed file system. So IPFS works. So instead of sending your stuff to Dropbox, you can you can use the IPFS system. You can download a uh, desktop or, or phone client today. <laughs> I love the word, like interplanetary file system is awesome. Um, you can use that today. So you can create, uh, let's say you've got a PDF and let's say you're a university and you're... Um, creating PDFs of, of, of graduations or whatever, you could actually use the IPFS system today, decentralized, is secure. And so your information is distributed amongst many users in the system. So it's distributed, it's decentralized, but there's no token. So there's no IPFS token behind it. And for me, that is the whole argument. My argument is not against Web3 decentralization. Obviously, I love that stuff and the privacy and trustless system. But for me, and, and I guess this is where it all comes down to, I hate the tokenization of everything. Like mm. you need a token. We're creating blah, blah, blah on the blockchain. Whatever blah, blah, blah is, firstly, doesn't need a blockchain. And secondly, it doesn't need a token because all that does is it sort of monetizes that system in mm. and gamifies that system yeah. 
And then it just becomes a speculative vehicle. And, and, you know, so. Yeah. And this is a conversation me and Gordon had in the past where during the ICO bubble in 2017, we could have just released a four page white paper saying we're going to launch this and probably raised a million dollars to do absolutely nothing. Um, and yeah, I mean, Elon Musk still promoting Doge when Doge was literally created as a joke. And I don't think anyone's working on it. No one's developing it. Um, and this is why we are Bitcoin only because we know that's the one that's going to be around another decade from now. And if you go to coin market cap, the top 10 coins or tokens, my, my apologies, tokens by circulation. Um, I think, well, the only one that's there is Bitcoin and maybe Ethereum is still there. The others, they revolve. They, these things just come and go. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we could talk about um, uh, NFTs. We could talk about um, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, all, all these things, all these things um, are encapsulated in this Web3 uh, blockchain. Everything, everything needs to be in the blockchain. And, and, and the theory sounds really good. The theory sounds sound. And it really does suck in a lot of people who are about privacy and decentralization. But um, it would be a nightmare. For example, there are several governments, G20 countries, who are putting their passport system onto the blockchain. And it's like, yeah, going to create an identity blockchain. And it's like, maybe in theory, that sounds good. You have your identity on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. You don't need to carry a passport. Things are decentralized, you know, unhackable. Da-da. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, number one, it's inherently insecure because you don't have that proof of work that Faris mentioned before. Mm-hmm. You don't have literally tens and thousands of machines securing a network. You may mm-hmm. have... 10, 20 servers that are easily hackable through bugs and you could even have, you know, people infiltrating that way. Um, and also identity of the blockchain is just a horrible idea because what happens if, you know, your identity gets stolen or what happens if you want to change something or whatever? It, it's not a database and, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. You know, a spreadsheet or a database is meant for creating information, but it's also used for updating and deleting information. So if you want something deleted, or you want something edited on a spreadsheet or a database, it's easy. A blockchain is meant to be something that you create once, you don't update or delete it. So by creating systems that are constantly updating actually goes against 50 years of computer science and it just doesn't make any sense. No, that's that's a really good way of putting it. That's, yeah, thank you, Gordon. Anything else you want to add? Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, we could talk about NFTs, we could talk about DIOs, the Central Autonomous Organizations, mm-hmm. which sort of came and went, and now they're sort of coming back into flavor. We could talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, let's do NFTs. I think we should do another. We briefly did an episode about that, but let's do that another time. Yeah, um, so I, I guess for me, the last point, and we can sort of finish it off, and, and this is a massive topic we've only scratched the mm-hmm. surface, is how does Bitcoin fit in with all this? And I'd, last, I'd like to ask you, Ferris. How does Bitcoin fit in with this Web3 tokenized blockchain everything? I don't, I don't think it fits in with it at all. I think, um, and Mark Yusko said this best in something he said, when they launched Morgan Creek digital assets, they were like, okay, Bitcoin is out here. How do we make money from it? And they equated Bitcoin to the gold rush. And the people that actually made money in the gold rush um, were the people that sold the shovels and the picks. Uh, only like, I think no, it was less than 10% of people that actually went to Alaska, went to California, ended up making money. Um, and that's where investors said, okay, you know, this Bitcoin thing's out there. What do we do? Let's invest in companies that are using Bitcoin. So that was a mistake. We should, should have just bought Bitcoin. 
So I think this is what it is. It's like, you know, and this is what we tell people, just buy Bitcoin. We can't make much money off of that when we're telling someone to buy another product. So this is what people are doing. It's like, okay, uh, what's the next thing? Well, it's not Bitcoin, it's blockchain. So companies are just saying, okay, let's jump on this blockchain bandwagon and then we can sell it that way. So to me, that's not what it's about. Um, yeah, it's it's simply, yeah, Bitcoin doesn't fit in with this. I think this is um, the cousin coming to visit that you didn't invite. And that's, that's to me, it's how I see this correlation. <laughs> I'm glad you used the word cousin. Um, yeah, I, I think that Bitcoin as a financial tool and instrument and the hardest uh, money that we've ever seen so far um, will will stay that. And But mm. Bitcoin's not sexy. Um, Bitcoin is a store yeah. of value. Perhaps in the future, Bitcoin will be used as a method of payment. Um, but yeah, Bitcoin is not sexy. Bitcoin is difficult to develop on because it's the, the, the design is simple, but you know, mm. the development tools and sort of everything around it is actually, to be honest, is actually quite difficult. I mean, I've tried, um, doing a few things on the Bitcoin blockchain or whatever it, it is. It's, it's non-trivial. Whereas web three technology, like Ethereum technology, um, if you're a web developer, you can easily hook into mm. any of these systems. So that's. I guess a good thing, you know, that these ecosystems exist and you could get a web developer that knows nothing about Ethereum, whatever, and they can, within a couple of days, they can easily understand how they can interface their website or their app into the ecosystem of Ethereum or, or create their own token or whatever. So from a technical point of view, that's cool. Um, yeah. From a security and privacy point of view, that's absolutely horrible because a lot of people mention this word decentralized and I, I could easily argue that pretty much every blockchain except for Bitcoin is not decentralized. A lot of these blockchains are owned by companies. These companies hire developers. These developers and these CEOs of companies are just one phone call or mm. one letter or one email away from the SEC or whatever agency saying, um, you know, we, we want to regulate and we want you to put in these backdoor code or whatever it is. Um, maybe Ethereum is sort of past that now but you can't say that ethereum is more decentralized bitcoin that's just an obvious joke um yeah I remember maybe these you, things have a place yeah sir i'll jump in i remember you telling me this where you said developers were flocking to ethereum this is going back six years ago or so developers will flock to ethereum because it's so much better and easier to work on but to me where was the store of value and there is no store of value and i know a lot of proponents of ethereum are saying here's what it can do you know, we know what Bitcoin is doing now, but a lot of proponents of Ethereum are like, oh, here's what it can do. Here's what it's going to do. And you just see this price going up and up based on hype when, you know, the fees for transferring, you know, um, Ethereum is ridiculously expensive. So to me, it's like, it's still a lot of hype involved in Ethereum. Like, I still don't know what it can do. Oh, it allows developers to create all these things. And and, and you said before, Ethereum works on the, pre the Silicon Valley premise of move, move fast and break things. That's not where I want to be investing my money. Um, I like Bitcoin because it's stable and it's secure and it's safe. Yeah, the analogy I use, and we'll, we'll finish on this because we, we could go into Bitcoin versus Ethereum. Um, the analogy I used to use is uh, Bitcoin is a tank. It's, it's slow and it's slow to buy design, but it's really secure. And if you're in a war zone, which we could say the internet is, it's a hostile environment with hackers and all kinds of dodgy actors. 
Um, Bitcoin is a tank. It's slow, but you know what? It's really secure. You know, I would rather be riding a tank uh, through a war zone. Um, Ethereum and these other blockchains are like a 3D printed Porsche that, um, you know, it can morph into an airplane. You press a button and it, you know, morphs into an airplane and other people can 3D print different components. And you know what? On my Porsche, I want to have a can opener you know, on the left side of the vehicle and on the right, right side of the vehicle, I want to, you know, add on some wings. And, and, and so it's cool that you can do all this stuff with it. Like, you know, you could 3d print all kinds of, you could change your Ethereum car into a steam train. I'm sure you could do that, but it's inherently insecure. And uh, again, uh, security and it can break easily. You know, I would be rather riding, around in a tank than a 3D printed Porsche uh, in a war zone. And so at the end of the day, we could use a million analogies, but that's that's where it is. It's decentralization comes from proof of work that Faris mentioned before. Um, the blockchain by design um, isn't uh, decentralized on day one. So Bitcoin was not decentralized on day one. Satoshi Nakamoto created it. Bitcoin was completely centralized. Satoshi was the only one changing the code. He was the only one. He, she, if they were the only ones mining it. Decentralization is an emergent property. It is a property that comes over time. And the way that it comes over time is from proof of work. And this is why all these tree huggers are getting upset about Bitcoin destroying the world and boiling the oceans and killing babies um, with all pandas, the energy usage, pandas, <laughs> pandas. Um, that is a that that's a topic for another time. But yeah. yeah, people just don't realize the importance of proof of work, and proof of work is what makes Bitcoin decentralized. It's not yeah. the design of it in terms of you can create any blockchain, and that's really the difference between Bitcoin and all these other blockchains. Bitcoin is decentralized proof of work. Other blockchains might be proof of work. They did not have the decentralization because they have a co-owner, CEO, company, and they also don't have the mining and hashing power behind it. Cool. Thank you, Gordon. That sums it up very, very well. And for anyone who is actually, and it should be everyone listening, interested in securing your data and securing your online identity, go to myprivacy.help. This is a new venture that me and Gordon set up based on demands from our listener. People getting in touch with us saying, okay, I've got some Bitcoin and I'm actually now to understand what's going on in the world. I'm worried about my online identity. So if you want to keep your online identity safe and decentralized, go to myprivacy.help. Hang on. Privacy centralized, decentralized. Did you say centralized or decentralized? Decentralized. Okay. If you want to keep your data decentralized, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of this stuff is nuanced for us and, and decentralized, centralized. Uh, we look at blockchain or whatever. Um, in terms of privacy, the way to go is self-hosting, as Faris mentioned. So um, we could talk about technologies. And, and the very last thing I'll say, Faris, is I'm actually excited for uh, side chains and solutions on top and beside of Bitcoin. And so as we mentioned way back in the start of the podcast, 99.99% of use cases don't need a blockchain. Yeah. Um, so for Bitcoin development, um, which is, which is difficult, I, I'm actually excited with all these, uh, solutions like lightning lightning network mm -hmm. is, um, a layer on top of the Bitcoin blockchain. And so, um, 
people can use that for, for instant payments. So I'm excited to see while all these other tokens and all these other blockchain stuff is happening, I'm excited to see what can be done on Bitcoin. Can you have a decentralized file system? Can you have a decentralized social media platform or whatever using a Bitcoin uh, layer two network like the Lightning Network, which basically means all these other blockchains completely irrelevant pretty much overnight once those systems are in place. So I'm actually excited. I'm not negative because a lot of Bitcoin is negative about blockchain. And what I'm excited to see what the, these layer two or sidechain networks around Bitcoin can actually do to basically make all these other coins irrelevant. So that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. And we have seen that happen, like you said, with a lightning network. So yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much, Gordon. And once again, guys, um, yeah, go to myprivacy.help to find out more about how you can self-host and manage your own data. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.